So I just built a simple spreadsheet and the manual side of it as compared to an app was a bit of a forcing function for me Hmm. because when something becomes too automated, to me, it makes it too easy to skip. up my friend and welcome to the Dan Go show. I'm your host Dan Go, coach to high performing entrepreneurs and professionals and what we do at the Dan Go show is tease out the best practices of the highest performing entrepreneurs in the world while sharing cutting edge evidence based information to help you become healthier and wealthier. So if that's what you're into, you're in the right place. Click that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts. So every time one of my episodes goes live, you'll be the first to know. Hey, what's up? Welcome to the podcast. I have here with me who I would consider to be my Excel guru. Uh, I don't like to use the word guru too much. And I think, you know, (laughs) there is some sort of like negative connotation. But if there was ever a guru when it comes to creating the perfect Excel spreadsheet uh, for whether it's like your, your fitness or whether it's for budgeting, it would be Blake. And uh, Blake, I just want to say thank you so much for jumping on this and uh, jumping on the podcast. We've been kind of, we've been kind of just like interacting with each other, hovering around each other on the the Twitter landscape, and uh, and I'm very glad to uh, meet you in person and also to have you on. Same man, thanks, thanks for having me. I, I'm not, I'm not sure about the guru title, but uh, I, I do what I can, do what I can. Yeah. Hope it, hope it helps a few people. Well, one thing I want to say is like I actually downloaded the um, I told you this like I actually on Twitter I downloaded the uh, I bought and downloaded the habit stacking or the habit tracker mm. and gotta say like uh, I've been like I've been trying like so many different apps but there's just something about like Excel that is able to just like accumulate all the data for you and just show you exactly like what your progress is and the way that you can understand it so. I want to say shout out to you. Thank you so much for that. Uh, thank you so much for all like the little kind of like spreadsheets that you do because Excel is kind of like one of these ways that uh, people uh, can use to run their lives. Now, I want to ask you, like, what exactly got you into Excel in the first place? <laughs> um, it's kind of funny. Uh, I actually, so give a little background. I've worked for two companies for the last. 20 years since I got out of college. Um, The first one was uh, a large, you know, 50, $100 million business. Um, But it was a, an old family owned business that the business uh, scaled way faster than the, than the processes, systems, people Mm -hmm. inside of the business. Um, After leaving that company about seven, eight years ago, um, I went to work for basically an energy startup and they were kind of the opposite is uh, they were really small, not much revenue, and we've scaled it to several million in revenue over the last, like I said, seven or eight years. Uh, but it had the same problem that uh, it grew faster than systems and processes, you know, and, and things we had inside the business to support operations. So, uh, kind of where I found my niche in both of these places uh, was just because you don't have the systems or the software uh, that you need, uh, the business still has to function. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I would build uh, an inventory database or a project management tracker or, you know, other templates like that we would use in the actual day-to-day running of the business and not because we always thought, um, you know, Excel or Google Sheets was the best option out there, Um, but implementing new ERP systems, new software, large-scale changes uh, costs money that sometimes the business doesn't have. Mm. Um, And it takes time and it takes people to implement it. So, um, like you may be working towards uh, adding a more robust solution, but in the year it takes or six months it takes to add that solution, 
uh, orders don't stop coming in, customers don't stop calling, uh, employees still need to know what to do. So uh, that's that's basically how I kind of cut my teeth on Excel was building building solutions to keep a business running and organized uh, while we were working on perhaps a more robust solution. And what was your role in this business? Because it sounds like you were like a little bit of like an integrator or like an ops manager. Was that your role within that business itself or, or, or am I kind of like overstepping my assumptions? Oh, no, that's pretty, pretty accurate. The way I describe it is um, kind of like an, I've kind of been at both places, kind of like an internal consultant, hmm. um, meaning like at the first business, they would come to me and say, Blake, uh, purchasing an inventory is a mess. Um, go fix it. So I would spend six months, a year, year and a half, however long it took uh, to fix that area of the business. And when it got done, they would say, okay, uh, operations at this location is, isn't running well. Uh, mm. Go tackle that. And so I'd go do that for a couple of years. And then, uh, man, the same business, like that one, the first company, I basically, I ran sales for a while. I was over purchasing an inventory for a while. Um, I developed and implemented a ISO quality management system there. And then I ran operations uh, for manufacturing at their two biggest uh, facilities. And it was kind of like what I just said, that it was just, I kind of bounced around inside the company wherever they uh, needed things to be streamlined, organized, processes updated, things of that nature. And really the only place I didn't touch was accounting. Um, mm. not, not my cup of tea, but everywhere else, everywhere else um, kind of had my hands in, in a little bit of everything. And gotcha. same story here, moving to this startup, um, uh, that was more of uh, just by necessity that it was small. I mean, when I started, I think there were maybe 10 people that worked there. Mm. So whenever it's a, whenever you're a small, small business, that's, that's growing pretty rapidly. Everyone wears, wears multiple hats. So. Yeah. yeah. What do you feel are the qualities of a good, like, well, I'm going to call it like an operations manager because I'm running a small business myself. Um, right now, we're pretty good at fulfillment. We're actually taking in more sales at the moment as well. Um, and I'm finding, I'm finding that the more that uh, we increase sales, obviously, it puts pressure on fulfillment. And then with the fulfillment, we'll be able to see kind of like these cracks that are happening in terms of like the way in which, well, I have a service-based business. So the way in which we kind of like, I guess you could say, operate in that fulfillment angle so when you're looking at a business and you're looking at kind of like the operations of a business, what are like the key things that you're looking for in order to attack those first? Uh, number one, people. Yeah. People. Like uh, you can have all of the process, like fancy processes, software, um, cool products, sales coming in, like everything on the outside can look wonderful. Uh if you don't have good people behind the scenes, pretty hard to make it work. Mm. Um, so, so people, number one, and then kind of ties into people. Um, something I struggled with, and I think a lot of people struggle with when they first start managing other people or, you know, a business of any size really is the ability to let go of things and delegate. Yeah. Um, just to, like, I remember when I started, the joke I used to make was like when guys that worked for me went to the bathroom, I wanted to follow them in there and with with like a stopwatch to <laughs> see how long they were in there, right? And you got to get back out to and uh, going, obviously, that's, you know, that's an exaggeration. But if, if you know, if you, if the business, I can't remember what book, it's probably been in several books, but um once I got my mind around the idea that a good as a good leader, you should be working 
to remove the necessity of you mm-hmm. from the business. Yeah. Um, so if you can do, uh, like one of the proudest moments I had at the, at the first company I was at was, uh, it was an automotive manufacturing was their main thing. And, oh, a few years in, I got sent on a, on just a business trip to Chicago for a week. And the week I was gone, they produced the most vehicles they had ever produced. And when I got back, you know, it's a it's an automotive shop. It's a bunch of guys, you know, so they gave me a, a ration of crap about how, you know, they didn't need me. And why why are they even paying you? And why are you around? Like we did the most we've ever done while you were gone. And I told them, I said, man, nothing makes me happier than to hear that. Because I said, whether whether you jokers want to realize it or not, um, that means I've done, to me, that means I've done my job as a leader well, because I've explained, uh, you know what needs to be done, how to do it, when it needs to be done, who's responsible for it, like all of those boxes are checked and I disappeared and every and the train kept rolling. So to me, that that's the ultimate goal and then as a leader, that frees you up um, to think more big picture about growing the brand, adding new product lines, um, what additional personnel do we need, where can we cut costs and increase profit, all those kind of things. Uh, but if you're bogged down by the day-to-day, um, I would argue that, that that limits your ability to actually lead well. Yeah, you're like literally the person cutting or standing in front of the tree rather than the person seeing the forest. Yep. Uh, I felt that before, um, where you're just so bogged down with the actual, um, I guess you could say the fulfillment piece and the the pieces where you are literally trading your time for money. And um, it's not, there's nothing wrong with trading your time for money, but you want to trade your time for the bigger picture things and the things that are going to like move the needle the most. So you spoke on people for a second. What do you feel are the best qualities of someone that you would actually bring on the team? And I say this from the context of your small business. And a lot of people say something flippantly like, only hire A players. And not every single team is able to hire like freaking the best person possible. You have to train them up, especially in the beginning. So, you know, what are your qualities when you're looking for someone to bring on the team? Um, attitude, number one, by far. Uh, I want somebody that is willing to do uh, whatever they're asked to do with a good attitude. And uh, something I see that's missing a lot of time is be willing to say, I don't know. And I don't know how to do this. I don't understand. But man, if you'll sit down with me and walk me through it, I'll learn it. Um, Like those kind of people... um, I've got a, a good friend, David Morris, uh, that you he might have seen him lurking around Twitter as well. He writes a lot of uh, parent parenting type stuff and just life advice type stuff that's really good. Um, but he's got a saying that uh, about like uh, people that work for you, and he said, "Man, you've got to be uh, like good, good, to, good at your job." And I'm I'll butcher it. He'll he'll give me hell after this because I won't say it right, but. Um, he would have said it much more eloquently, but basic, the basic premise is uh, be be good at your job and be good to work with. If you're one, only one or the other, eventually it doesn't work. If you're really good at your job, but you're a jerk, people will put up with that for a little bit because they're like, man, Dan is awesome at his job. I just don't like being around the guy, but damn, he does a good job or vice versa. They say, man, I love Dan as a human being. He is a great dude. Uh, I'd love to go travel with him or hang out or what, like love talking to the guy, man, he's not very good at his job. You know, eventually, even if they love you, they get sick of picking up your slack and, and you'll go away. And, and the opposite is true. You know, 
even if you're great at your job, but you're a jerk, eventually people say, eh, I'd rather have somebody that maybe wasn't as good at the job, but I could stand to be around. So for me, like the ideal person is somewhere in the middle. To your point, you don't have to be the all-star, like every person you hire, that's not realistic. Number one, uh, you can't pay a team full of A players. That's completely unrealistic. Um, A players are an A player for a reason. And most A players know they're an A player and expect to be compensated as such. So this pie in the sky idea of uh, I got a team of 50 people and they're all A pluses is just not reality. Um, You just can't do that. But so the short answer would be, man, somewhere in the middle. Uh, And and to me, attitude is a big part of that. If I'll take someone that maybe doesn't know how to do everything I would like them to do, but is willing to ask questions, eager to learn, um, shows up every day, I'll take that person over uh, someone with a bad attitude that knows yeah. twice as much every day of the week. Yeah, agreed. Um, I just hired on this uh, this sales guy who actually contacted me for the job. And one thing I love about him, he's kind of like a, I guess you could say he's brand new. Uh, he's never had a sales job before. But one thing that struck me about him was like, he keeps on asking questions. He's asking all these. He's, he's actually seeing some things within our own business. He's like, this doesn't make sense. And then when he brings it up, I'm just like, you know what? That doesn't make hmm. sense. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, good catch. <laughs> so I, I get what that is. It's like this attitude of just like not knowing that you don't know everything and willing to actually learn about the things that you don't know. Well, let's just say I'm trying to hire someone like you, master, like, I won't say master operator, but great operator uh can set up in a business to run without yours or the ceo's engagement and run it well and even grow what would the qualities that i would look look at aside from let's just say attitude for someone who's who would be in an integrator slash like ops position and i'm totally like i'm totally using this as like a coaching session to be honest like i'm i'm just trying to extract information from you cuz i'm using it for my yeah, own yeah. business and we're going to talk about the yeah. excel stuff too but no, no but yeah. cool cool so uh let me just reframe your question just to see if i understand so if you're trying to hire someone like me what would interest me in coming to uh, work what, for you what would company? interest you and what kind of qualities would i look at if i were to hire someone that can operate a business um, I'll, you know, as before, I'll use myself as an example. I think here's maybe a good way to answer this. Here's why I think the startup that I went to work for came after me and why I said yes. Um, I think they came after me for a couple different reasons. One is network. Um, they knew people that knew me that had worked with me in the past and reached out to those people and got good recommendations from from all of those people. So uh, that always helps. I'm a big proponent of uh, don't burn any bridges because uh, mm. you might might need to walk back across those one of these days, or yeah. you know might be an opportunity come walking across them. Uh, so be careful. But uh, the other reason, so that that kind of got me in the door of the initial phone call of hey, would you be interested in coming to talk to us? Um, Then once I sat down with them, I think what resonated with them most is something I mentioned a few minutes ago, is that um, I I had more of a generalist experience where I've done sales, I've done purchasing, I've done operations, I've done manufacturing, I've done quality. So I had this... uh, broad experience base to say, I could basically say to them, man, uh, I don't necessarily have to know your specific business, Dan. I can learn that. Mm -hmm. I can get in there and I can see uh, what you're selling, who you're selling it to, how you're doing it currently. What I know is uh, I know processes and procedures and systems behind the scenes 
that I have seen work at companies with a couple hundred thousand in revenue up to a hundred million in revenue. And obviously things change in between those numbers. But I think that's what, um, what I was interested in to answer the second half of your question was when I went and spoke with the CEO of this, the startup, he said, uh, I don't need to hire someone to tell them what to do. I'm trying to hire someone to tell me what to do. Mm. And that yeah. was super appealing to me at, at the point in my career that I was at was I, I didn't have a ton of interest in going to work somewhere and uh, like being given marching orders every day of what to do. Um, mm. I wanted to have some autonomy to come in and look at their ecosystem as it existed today and break it down and say, okay, based on my experience and what I've done over the years, um, here's where I would start. This is, I would start with this low hanging fruit here. The, we can get some easy wins here, some fast mm -hmm. wins, and then I would build up from there. So that's, that's what was really appealing to me was the opportunity to have some autonomy to make decisions have a direct line to the CEO and, you know, to have my voice be heard. And really what's fun to me is going in and affecting change that you yeah. can really see. To me, I think people that are leaders are driven by what impact can they make. Yeah. So that was, that's what interested me at the beginning was, man, uh, this is a guy who says, I'm owning this thing but I'm not real sure. I know we've got problems. I'm not real sure what to do. I want you to come in and you say, man, do this, 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 and this. And uh, if it works, uh, we'll sing your praises and you'll be rewarded. If it doesn't work, yeah, we might have a different conversation. <laughs> but I was willing to take that, like that was exciting to me. I wanted yeah. to take that bet on myself, right? So. Yeah. I love the fact that you said bet on yourself because it gives me like a fantastic segue. Thank you for thank you for passing the baton on that one. I really, really appreciate that. So what was your decision to bet on yourself? So if no one if you're watching this and you don't know Blake, he has like over four hundred thousand followers on freaking Twitter, which is amazing. And um and you started in twenty twenty one, which is like a rapid, rapid uh rise in terms of uh the amount of people that are following you. So like what, what, what caused you to uh, choose to bet on yourself and to choose to start your own business? I, I describe myself as a, as a trier of things. So uh, <laughs> meaning uh, while I was doing all the other stuff I've, I've described and we've discussed uh, over the last few minutes, man, I've always wanted to have my own business. It's always been a dream. It's always something I've wanted to do. And with that, uh, I've tried lots of stuff over the years. Um, mm -hmm. the, the scale of the internet has, like, I'm old enough, so I'm in my early 40s. So yeah. I'm old enough to remember that, and I say that like I'm 90, I'm not 90, <laughs> you know, but um, I remember like in high school uh, when we first got computers that had the internet and they were dial up internet and a modem and it took forever. And uh, so the point is I can remember when like we first, everyone first got access. Um, and I say everyone, I'm, I w I'm well aware there are still areas of the world that, that do not have that, um, yeah. that are not that fortunate. But um, I, I remember when we first got access and just thinking how wild it was that you could literally reach out across the globe from a computer. Um, and, you know, 25, 30 years later, I still feel that way. Um, I still think it's amazing. Um, and so that's what's always been interesting to me. So I tried, um, I, I sold products uh, on Amazon through Amazon FBA for a while, um, mm. learned a lot, didn't make any money, lost some money actually, um, but, but learned a lot. Um, 
Uh, I sold stuff on eBay for a while. Uh, I built an outdoor patio furniture website and did drop shipping from a patio furniture manufacturer for a while. Um, that wasn't great. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I tried a bunch of different things. And over time, uh, you know, none of them worked that well. So I, I, I'm kind of the, I guess, a classic example of people see uh, the success I've had in the last year and a half on Twitter, and it's kind of the whole overnight success thing. And man, this this rapid rise and all this. Um, what people don't, what they don't see is ten years ago, me and my wife sitting in the living room floor. Uh, putting labels on meat thermometers I was ordering from Alibaba to try and sell on Amazon. Uh, hundreds uh, and hundreds of meat thermometers. Um, so uh, only to lose several thousand dollars. So, uh, you know, so the the point there is, man, uh, I just kept trying. And, mm -hmm. and for me, uh, I actually went to a breakfast with Sam Parr, um, and it was just kind of a off the cuff thing that uh, he happened to be in Oklahoma City uh, traveling and put out a put out a thing on Twitter that just said, hey, I'm going to have a breakfast here. First 20 people that sign up, you got a seat. Super informal. And, and I kind of thought, oh, what the hell? I'll I'll sign up. And at that point, I, I think I had 30 some followers on Twitter and had never posted anything just kind of use it as a news source or, or a way to to read things going on in the world. But that that's really about it. And went to this breakfast. And, and like I said, it was super informal. But just uh, towards the end, one, someone in the crowd asked Sam, they said, if you if you've always wanted to build an online business, if you want to connect with, you know, other entrepreneurs, builders, people with similar mindset, like, but you have no idea where to start. Uh, or you, or you're like me, and you've tried a bunch of different things that didn't really work. It was like, what would you do? And Sam said, "Man, I'd get on Twitter. That's where all of these people seem to be congregating. Mm -hmm. uh, if you are able to do something that resonates with people, you can get access to people that you're never going to get access to or run across in your regular life." Um, so, the very next day, I wrote a thread which was the first one I'd ever written. Uh, long story short, I've written at least one thread a week every week since then. Uh, yeah. for, and it's just kind of been, um, you know, the rest is history. Uh, I, I, still, I still question myself today why, uh, why it has seemed to have worked as well as it has. Yeah, it kind of makes sense to me. Um, because I've, I've had sort of a similar trajectory where since like 2020 uh, or even before 2020, I was uh, working as a personal trainer, you know, two decades in the industry, uh, wasn't growing an audience whatsoever. And I feel like all of your experience culminates at this like peak moment. And then once you start posting uh, based on your knowledge and based on kind of like the two decades of experience that you have, then people gravitate to that and people can feel it, right? They can feel the experience inside of your threads and inside of your tweets. So everyone says like, oh, he has an overnight success. But the reality is, is that you, from my perspective, is like you spent the, like the last 20 years building yourself up or even maybe even longer than that to get to where you are. And, um, and that's what I love about social media. It's kind of like it does aggregate towards uh, the people who do have experience Except for some like anonymous people with like profile pictures of freaking foxes on their <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> like anime no, pictures. No, no, totally. I was actually, um, uh, I was actually talking with a friend the other day and just about some some potential opportunities and uh, and I said, he said, "Man, why do you think people have uh, gravitated towards your stuff?" And I and I said something similar to what you said, and I said, "Man." Um, Nothing negative against, uh, I'm far from the first person to post things about Excel or Google Sheets. Um, and I said, I think if I had to guess, I said, I think the difference is 
man, there's a lot of people in the world and there is a subset of people um, that are the TikTok crowd, the Instagram crowd, you know, that want to see a bunch of hacks and tricks and with music behind them and, you know, dancing and all of this. Um, Hey, nothing wrong with that. Um, More power to you. If that's the way you learn it and you enjoy it and that makes it fun. Awesome. Um, That's not me. Um, So, I said, for me, I think the reason is very similar to what you just said is I think people gravitate to me just because like I'm a com- I'm a 180 the other direction. So I, I am uh, I'm a 40 year old bearded dude that's worked in actual businesses for the last 20 years uh, that is saying, man, this was useful for me uh, in this business. Or, hey, uh, I built this budgeting template because I'm shocked at how many people I talk to that don't have any, even though there's a million apps out there, like they just don't have any, they aren't tracking their money. And uh, believe it or not, they use Excel every day in their day job. So there's a lower barrier to entry to get them to use Excel to do a budget than to download an app. Like there's some, some level of intimidation there of, well, I don't know how to use this app. I don't know how to connect it to all my accounts. I don't know X, Y, and Z. And if you say, man, you're using Excel every day, I've already built the template, uh, just plug the numbers in and it'll do everything else for you. That resonates with some some people. So I think it's just to your point, it's a bit of just experience. Um, learned things I've learned over the years that I have I have hired employees, I've trained employees. Uh, so some of the things that um, I say, hey, did you know you could do this and this is how you do it, is directly pulling from maybe a conversation I had with an employee earlier that day that saw me doing something and said, golly, I'm, I'm taking forever to do that. How are you doing that so quickly? And I said, Oh, well, you just click this, this, and this, you didn't know that. And they said, no. And that's the kind of stuff I'll write down because I think, okay, if one person didn't know it, there's a whole hell of a lot of other versions of that person that don't know that either. So, yeah, it's, it's so funny that we take for granted the things that we find so natural to us. And then we can glean from you talking to employees or me talking to my clients. And they'll be like, yeah, this is so easy. Like you do this and this and that. And then they're going to be like, oh, yeah, well, I didn't think of that. But, <laughs> but it comes so naturally to us because like we've actually done it over and over and over and over and over. Right. Um, so what areas of your life do you currently use Excel for? I know that you use it for budgeting. I know that you use the Excel to uh, do a body transformation for yourself, but are there, are there other kind of like underrated areas of uh, your life that you use to kind of, they use Excel to kind of run? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> I, no, I don't know. Um, so I've got actually uh I'm working on one right now. That's kind of like a, uh, this is super cheesy, but I think it's, I think it's one of those things that, uh, like a lot of people deal with, uh, I'm working on a, like a shopping list meal planner template. Mm. Um, mm. that's just because I was, I said, I was talking to a friend the other day and I said, man, like he, he said to me, he's like, man, my wife hates planning meals. Like, He's like, God, every week we sit around on, or every other week we sit around on Sunday evening and she's trying to figure out what what meals she's going to cook for the week or what meals the two of us are going to cook and who, what do the kids want and what groceries do we have and what do we not have to make these meals? Like, and he said, man, it just seems like every week or every other week this is just a pain and we hate doing it and... Uh, then we go like 
load up the whole family and go to the store and trudge around. And it seems like we're in the grocery store for three hours mm-hmm. and like, it's just a, this big pain. So anyway, that's where, so I said, man, what if I could build a template that was like, uh, list your meals at the top, list the ingredients below, check off what you have as you check things off, you have anything that's not checked builds an automated grocery list And then what if the first time you take that grocery list to the store, it's got a column that you can write down the aisle number. Well, then you write down the aisle number and next time you build the list, now you've got a grocery list that says, here's the items, here's how many you need, here's what aisle they're on. Uh, So if your grocery store's got 27 aisles, but uh, you only need stuff on 12 of them, you go to, so you cut your time in half, Mm. Um, you know. And the other thing, you know, I'm just spitballing here. Like the other thing that that happens is, uh, you know, instead of walking to the store and being just randomly grabbing things, which, um, you know, I'm sure you're well aware of this, which yeah. increases your likelihood to buy junk, uh, stuff yeah. that you don't need to be eating, shouldn't be eating, but boy, it looks good when it's sitting there. Um, uh, you know, drives your bill up because you're just grabbing things as you walk along rather than working off a list. You know, all these kind of like this is what goes through my head. And I think, uh, well, man, this would help me like to circle back to tie this into your original question. Like those are the things that I I think, well, man, if I could build this, that would make uh, my wife's life easier when she's trying to plan meals. Um it would make me less annoyed when she asks, hey, what do you guys want this week? And I'm like, man, I don't know. I li-. Like, I'm just super appreciative that you cook dinner. I don't care what it is. I'll eat it. Um, you know, it, it'll, when she goes to the store, it will save her time. Um, it will save money. Uh, going through, like, I just go through all of these things in my head. And then the next thing that clicked for me is, well, kind of what I said a minute ago, if, if this is interesting to me and it would make my life easier and it would save me money and it would save me time, uh, man, what if I put this out into the world? Uh, is there some other people that this would help? Uh, and you know, to get into like the sales and business side of it, uh, like for me, uh, if I can charge 10 bucks for this, can I sell enough to where it makes makes me a little money and makes it worth my while and vice versa. Is it cheap enough that people look at this and say, uh, man, I can use this once and save the 10 bucks, uh, that it cost me. And, you know, so that's kind of my working thesis is I, I just go through and whenever I see something that's like a pain to me, Mm -hmm. um, especially, if I think it's kind of like, like a fitness tracker, like, uh, man, I got, we were talking before we started recording just about, you know, uh, some, sometimes, uh, the response you get is good. Sometimes it's not so good <laughs> from, from the, from the internet. And, uh, yeah. yeah. So man, when I threw out that, uh, the template on like tracking your health, I got all sorts of comments about you moron. Why would you use this? Um, there's all these apps, there's Apple watches, there's my fitness pal. Like there's all these things that that'll do this for you. Why would you use a spreadsheet? And I wanted to, I wanted to scream back and be like, of course I know this. Um, there are also, I also know different strokes for different folks, man. Uh, there are a lot of people that prefer working in a spreadsheet to an app. Yeah. So I'm not trying to be everything to everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a recipe for uh, dissatisfaction on all fronts. Uh, yeah. So so anyway, like I said, I just try and run across things. And to your point, like I built that spreadsheet for myself because I like spreadsheets and I built it two or three years ago um, when I was uh, you know, weight is something I've always struggled with. Um, I've gone up and down my entire life. Um, and I was on a 
I was on a trend of, man, it's not complicated. Like mm-hmm. you need to exercise and you need to track what you eat and, and eat stuff that makes sense. Um, you know, not processed, not like, you know, all of this, obviously. Yeah. Um, but so I just built a simple spreadsheet and the manual side of it as compared to an app was a bit of a forcing function for me hmm. because when something becomes too automated, to me, it makes it too easy to skip. Yeah. Um, so just the practice of every morning, uh, I would get up, I would weigh in, I would drink my water and I would do my workout. Then going in and manually filling out that spreadsheet was kind of like a reward yeah. to me that I got to go in and plug in the numbers and see what had changed and the formatting would turn it green, which all that sounds cheesy, but it was like a reward to me to go in and manually do it. And it, and it helped me, um, you know, help me stay on track. And little did I know that, you know, three years later I'd be on Twitter and, and it, that would turn into a product that I could offer to people. Um, it was literally just something I made for myself because it worked for me and it helped me. And and you make a good point because I think that when things get too automated, you lose the fingertip feel based on the progress. So for you to actually have to manually put in these numbers on a regular basis, it actually keeps you accountable because you actually have to like, if you, let's just say like you didn't have a, you had a not so great day, you're going to have to put that shit in. <laughs> like, right, yeah. right. That would piss me off. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. And, and I will tell you, Dan, the other thing it did, sometimes I would go to sit down at 10 o'clock at night because I hadn't done my spreadsheet, because I hadn't done my workout, and I would say, well, shit. And I would get up and I'd go work out <laughs> just because I didn't want to enter those zeros. And I think people underestimate like the psychological side of, of any, any endeavor you're trying to Mm. pursue, you know, to me. And that's what I like when people say you sell spreadsheet templates, what do you mean you sell like really? Um, I say, man, I don't, I don't sell spreadsheet templates. I sell time uh, that people are saving that they don't, you know, have to do it themselves uh, I sell knowledge that they don't have so they can build it themselves. And I sell a result. Yeah. I sell, here's what you're going to get by using this tool, yeah. not the tool. Uh, you got to, like, if you don't use it, then, yeah, it's worthless. Yeah. Can I throw Anything. something in there as yeah, well? Yeah, sure. You're selling accountability, right? Yep. Because, like, uh, you know, as the great Peter Drucker said, it's like what you measure is what you manage. And what you're doing is like you're giving them a very streamlined way to be accountable and to stay accountable to the things that they said that they were going to do, whether it be a habit tracker or whether it be the fitness tracker. And it is painful to put the zero down. You're like, oh, fuck. Like, right. No. Like, man. Let me do, some, let me do 10 push ups <laughs> at least. You know, like, right. You know. Yeah. So yeah. I, no. I do feel I, like you're I, selling accountability a little bit. Yeah, no, I uh, totally, because like I said, that was one of the things that, uh, man, I wasn't perfect. Nobody's perfect. You know, I, I didn't, I missed days, um, you know, but I missed a lot less because I had that accountability there. And it, and at the end of the month, uh, when I would go look at my sheet for that month, if there's a bunch of blanks and a bunch of red because I didn't do that day, uh, it made me feel bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not just physically, like I didn't feel as physically good because I hadn't done the work, but emotionally, like I yeah. felt bad about myself because I didn't do it. And I knew um, most of the time it was just because I made up some excuse not to. It yeah. wasn't because I couldn't have. Um, yeah, maybe there was a day here or there where literally like, you know, life came at me and I just couldn't do it. But 90% of the time, it's 
I, I came up, I invented a reason, you know, not, not <laughs> to do it. And then I kicked myself, you know, later on looking back. Yeah. I think that's, what's missing a lot right now is like, you know, people, everyone wants to like feel good about themselves when the reality is that feeling bad about yourself for things that you know, you should have done that you didn't, that's actually a, a really good signal to, to stay accountable and a really good way to kind of like, just keep accountable to your goals. So, okay. Now in regards to this, this entire kind of like fitness tracker thing, what were some kind of like, uh, what were some kind of like things that you saw within tracking your own fitness that, uh, that the normal person would, would kind of gloss over, right? Was, was there anything unique that you, you found when you were tracking your own fitness and actually, to add to that, what were you tracking? Like you're tracking food, workouts, you know, like walking steps kind of thing. Like what were you tracking essentially? I was tracking. So uh, I was using a combination of, uh, that's the other thing, whenever I put this post out. So I was using a combination of apps and the spreadsheet. The spreadsheet was just a manual place that I accumulated all the data. Um, I was using MyFitnessPal to track literally every single thing I ate. Um, if if I ate it, drank it, uh, whatever, I tracked it, every, every single thing. Um, and I had actually done a um, total daily, a TDE calculator to, mm. um, you know, calculate all my macros. So I was tracking them as well. Um, and then on the exercise front, it was more uh, pretty simplistic. Uh, I basically had two columns, cardio or strength, and then uh, corresponding time that I spent doing either one of those and caloric burn that I spent mm -hmm. doing either one of those. Um, and then and then I very, had a very simple formula in there that I would pull my calorie intake uh, from my fitness pal for the day and subtract out the burn to get a net caloric deficit or surplus. Mm -hmm. So very simple. But um, so that's kind of the high level view of what I was was tracking. Uh, yeah. As far as uh, the thing that, uh, as I'm saying all of this, I am I'm kicking myself because um, for the last several months, like I told you, I, I've always been when it comes to fitness, uh, up and down, uh, good mm -hmm. and bad. Uh, now I would be in a run of bad, not exercising as much as I should, not eating as well as I should. Uh, so as I'm saying all of these things to you, I'm having a little bit of that accountability in the nice. moment. Um, yeah. So uh, that, because I'm realizing I'm referring to all of this in the past tense, like mm. I was tracking this, I was doing this. Um, but anyway, so I would, one thing that really helped me, so I'm very much an all or nothing person. Um, if, if I'm going to do something, then if I'm in, if I'm on fitness, let's say, since that's what we're talking about, um, I'm eating everything correctly. I'm exercising every day. I'm drinking water. I'm hounding people around me to do the same. Uh, like I'm all in, um, mm. The opposite is true. Uh, if I fall off the wagon, man, I fall all the way off. Like I, I have a hard, one thing I always struggled with was um, like uh, I have a hard time being in between. My wife is very much a person that she will say, well, can't you just eat that once in a while? Because she can. Mm. Uh, she can eat something like she's a cheat day person, right? Yeah. She can, yeah. she can have a cheat day. And, uh, if her cheat day is Saturday, Sunday, she's back to the grind and doesn't think about it. Doesn't want that stuff, uh, has no interest in it. Uh, Blake's cheat day turns into cheat month. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's the, that's the struggle I always have. So, um, what helped me, uh, specifically about tracking was um, kind of falls into that all or nothing perspective. If, and the accountability we talked about before, if, if I'm exercising, like one feeds the other for me. So if I'm tracking, 
then I'm more likely to work out. If I'm working out, I'm more likely to eat right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the circle, the circle just continues for me. So uh, tracking to me is way more than the activity of just capturing numbers somewhere. Um, It's a, it's a repetitive thing that feeds into all the other components. It's like uh, what they call the start of the virtuous cycle, right? So you track and then you see progress, then you keep on tracking and then you keep on kind of like, it's like gamifying the entire kind of like experience for you, so to speak, which I love. Um, And I want to say that there is like a subset of people out there that run, that love using Excel and that love tracking things on Excel. And uh, if, if it works for you, then why not? So, yes, Blake, I want to say thank you so much. And I, I love the fact that we kind of ended off on a fitness tip. Really appreciate your time. Really appreciate you being here on this uh, podcast. And uh, let's just say this. Like, if people wanted... Okay, so two things. If people wanted to follow you, where should they go? And if people wanted to actually get a hold of the fitness tracker that you just talked about, where could they actually go to grab that? Uh, to, to find me online, two main places, Twitter, obviously, and it's just uh, at Blake A. Burge, uh, spelled out. And then my website, pretty simple as well, just BlakeBurge.com. And it's got newsletter, all the templates, courses, all that kind of stuff, all in one, all in one place. So that, that's the two places to find me. Uh, awesome. That in the middle of nowhere in Oklahoma, if you want to come there. <laughs> yeah, we didn't we didn't touch upon it, but uh, but Blake lives in a fifteen hundred uh, person town, yeah. where pretty much everyone knows each other. So yeah, yeah. Blake, thank you so yeah. much for coming on. Really appreciate you, and uh, and yeah, looking forward to uh, us expanding our relationship uh, on Twitter Same. and beyond. All right, brother. Same. Thanks, Dan. Yeah. Appreciate You're it. Welcome. you again for listening to the dango show we have some amazing episodes coming your way so make sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already if you're already subscribed and today's episode hit home for you please share this episode with someone that you know would benefit from listening take care and see you every week on your favorite podcast again